0: What is up everybody, Sean Sheehan back here with another edition of the Sheehan Show on Shardog.com and it is another PFL preview today as the playoffs for season 7 kick off uh, with a couple of big lightweight fights, or one big lightweight fight anyway, two big lightweight fights, uh, and a couple of uh, light heavyweight fights as well, it's... uh, it's been a very good season in the PFL. If you haven't seen all of the PFL running, I actually did a video a couple of weeks ago, kind of recap and all of that. There hasn't been many changes since. I'll actually run you through the brackets here in a second uh, quickly before we start, but there's three weeks uh, upcoming now uh, with the PFL, and it's, it's, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a fast, fun three weeks, and then obviously we'll be moving on to the finals. So uh, this weekend on the 5th of August, we have the, uh, did I say the seven season? I'm in PFL 7, so the 2022 playoffs, obviously, um, in New York. Then on August 13th, they go over to the Motorpoint Arena in Cardiff, in Wales. And then on the 20th of August, they're in the Copper Box in London. And you know, since the last time we spoke about PFL, they have announced this new kind of European series. Not sure exactly how that's going to work or how that's going to look, but it's exciting. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. A few of my countrymen were signed uh, to PFL as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about loads uh, in the future. So it's very exciting times, I suppose, at this side of the world for PFL and for MMA in general. And, you know, we've seen a lot of talk and conjecture and um, posturing, I suppose, in the UK and Ireland with mixed martial arts over the last few years. but really at a place now where it's battle on, kind of, because Bellator Europe came in, uh, did great things for a while, paid a lot of money to people. The people weren't really moving anywhere or doing anything. A lot of people got, you know, caught uh, from Bellator Europe, Cage Warriors have been doing the same thing for the last literally 20 years now, and they've been doing a great job of it, Bellator are still doing, you know, the London cards and um, and the Dublin cards as well, and maybe we'll see some more coming back as the world gets back to somewhat normality, but now we have PFL as well, and we have the UFC doing London, I don't know about the UFC in Dublin, it feels like like Ireland is open, they should be back now at this stage, and they haven't been back yet, so I don't know what's keeping them, but... We went from a stage in this part of the world where we had you know, we were almost begging for the bigger MMA organisations to come over, and now they're all here, and they're almost fighting for this area, and it's great, you know, it's great for the fighters, uh, look at someone like Brendan Lachnan getting paid massive money Miles Price getting opportunities, Will Flory getting opportunities, John Mitchell Nathan Kelly and others, great absolutely fantastic, so since the last time we spoke about PFL, that has happened, we'll speak more about that as we go on, let me run you through the standings quickly before we get to our three playoff episodes, we'll have one every week, and as i said i cover every uh, pfl card here for Sherlock, sure and it's it's actually great it's great do you know it's it's really easy for me as well cuz i like i get like few, how many fighters i don't know 30 fighters at the start of the year maybe not that much i look at all of them and then it's the same guys for the next like 10 episodes you know it's it's great, it's great Andy, for me i don't have to do much analysis the same guys fighting over and over and over and ladies as well obviously but um the standing the the, the brackets we look at the brackets cuz no point looking at the standing, cuz they've they've changed a little bit so here are the fights we're going to be seeing over the next few weeks, and I'll t- talk about uh, this week's fight then after that. So, Anthony Pelis versus Stevie Ray, um, Olivier Olivio versus Alexander Martinez. They are the, your two fights in the lightweight uh, division. Then in uh, light heavyweight, we have Rob Wilkinson and Dylan Monte, and Omari Akmanov versus Josh Silvera. Uh, um, uh, Shoeface Antonio Carlos Jr He was forced out I believe he's injured So Josh Silvera Comes in here And honestly I You know It's probably The biggest well, Maybe the biggest loss Maybe up there with Pettis and, and Rory McDonald Is like the biggest loss You could have Losing Shoeface But If there was one guy Out of all the divisions I would like to see Come in and get a place uh, in the playoffs It is Josh Silvera I, Anyone who's been watching these play, uh, these uh, Previews knows I Really really rate Josh Silvera Son of Conan Silvera, we'll obviously talk more about him That is a really really good addition And I'm, that's fantastic, we'll talk more about him In this episode shortly um, then so that's those are the fights that I'm going to preview now in a second then next week in Cardiff Wales we have the welterweight and heavyweights we have Rory McDonald and Umar uh, our sorry Magomed Umalatov and then we have Sedabu C versus Carlos Leal uh, Dennis Goslov, then in the heavyweights against uh, the, the champ Bruno Capilosa, who lost his last fight. And the guy he lost uh, is actually not in. And Matthias Steffel, uh, in the other semi final, it is uh, Antideja against Henan Ferreira. Uh, so that should be fun. And then in the London card, we have the uh, the women's uh, lightweight and the men's featherweight as well. So we have Larissa Pacheco's who been on a massive run, she's fighting uh, Olena and then we have Kayla Harrison. You know, the biggest draw in. PFL against uh, Martina Jandirova. Over in the featherweight we have Chris Wade against Brendan Lochnan. A massive fight for Lochnan. And sorry if I pronounce it differently. Lochnan is from like my part of the world here, and they call it Lochnan in England. But I'm going to continue to call it Lochnan because that's how you pronounce it. He's he's of Irish descent. It's Lochnan. He's the one pronouncing it wrong. I'm pronouncing it right. So sorry if I uh, if I pronounce the name correctly. My apologies on that. But anyway, he's fighting Chris Wade. As I said again, hometown advantage, not hometown advantage, because he's not from London, but home country advantage for uh, for Locknan, and that's absolutely massive for him. And in Rujikuda, maybe my favorite fighter in the BFL, I love Rujikuda, or Rujikuda. He's fighting Boba Jenkins, which is a very very tough fight. As I said, we'll get to all of those. Let's talk about this week's in this weekend's card, though, uh, because it's it's a good one. You know, it's a, it's a good one, and I'm. Do you know what? I'm gonna I I, I will. Work my way up the card because we we have a massive rematch of a fight we only saw a couple of weeks ago uh, in the main event. Um, but we, uh, uh, you know, we also have some kind of up-and-comers uh, on the card as well. Um, and I'll run through them very quickly. We have uh, Lucas Barbosa. His fight isn't, uh, uh, at the time of recording, his fight isn't actually announced yet, so we'll wait on that. But he's a Brazilian. You see a lot of this. Like, I spoke about the Irish lads kind of coming in. Um... He's coming out of Brazil and he's from uh, Atos in May. He's only 2-1 in his career. Very young, good uh, jiu-jitsu guy. You know, his his two wins have been by stoppage, one rear naked choke and one by punches, won his last two in a row. But that was back in 2012. So this guy hasn't been around for 10 years now. Some of my no, might know more about this than me, but I assume he's been around doing a lot of jiu-jitsu around the place and all. So looking forward to that. Then we have um, uh, 1-0 Alex uh, Pergrande against uh, Elvis, Elvis LeBron Quillers. Elvis LeBron? What an what end that is. Uh, Corey Jackson in against uh, Elvin Espinosa. It's a very interesting fight. 5-2. Uh, Jackson uh, Espinosa is 6-0. Uh, oh. uh, Jackson fighting out of uh, Team Cologne. Um, he you know he's a as i said he won his first three fights uh, in a row then he fought uh, over in bellator uh, and last there he fought once over in the xfl as well but he won his last fight uh, back in march and he gets the opportunity here uh Espinoza looks like a a very good guy coming through fighting out of zin jiu-jitsu obviously he's won six fights in a row he fought in the pfl um last year uh, in You know he got a similar Sort of opportunity and he's getting another One here so you know he has All finishes on his record uh, One in the Second round and all the rest in the first round So he's definitely a finisher and that should be a, An interesting fight as well You know a lot of guys now as well PFL are signing more people and it's going to be tougher So someone like this might get an opportunity to get a good win and they'll be on it next year. That's not always the case. Now you might have to have a superb flying win altogether to even get a, a- thought about getting a chance on the, the big stage next year. So it's massive for these guys to put in uh, big, uh, you know, big, big performances here. Uh, with Brian Zurchard in against Ricardo Jimenez, uh, Zurchard is uh, 3 triño you know, He's fighting out of extreme couture, you know, a gym that is, I suppose, heading up and down time over the last while, but... They're producing some very, very good fighters uh, Out of that gym He fought as well In the PFL Contender Series Earlier this year He fought in uh, um, uh, Combat Chains Global as well Before that So a guy with a bit of experience In, in two fairly good organisations there uh, His opponent obviously is one and one He's fought twice In the ring of combat Won his last fight Back in, uh, in May Only a couple of months ago So uh, yeah look forward to that one as well Um uh, then we have You know the, Maybe the higher up guys Marcelo Nunez Against Adam Koresh uh, Nunez Eight and one In his career He fights out of uh, Drysdale's Jiu Jitsu uh, you know, Beat Bevan Lewis Last time out In the PFL He's fought in CFFC As well You know He's only lost To Rafael Lovato Jr. Back in 2016 He took a four year Hiatus From MMA And came back And fought in CFFC So you know uh, Obviously a really Really talented guy there uh, Six submission wins You know Fighting out of Brazil jiu-jitsu, you know that he's going to have unbelievable jiu-jitsu uh, and in on the other side of it as well. Fighting out of Israel, five knockouts in his uh, you know his five fights uh, to date big heavyweight has only lost uh, to Klitsin Abreu who had some great performances this year over in the PFL as well and before that he fought in Bellator a couple of times he beat Cyril uh, Selidnikov Um, so you know uh, a pretty good career so far for him so you know at heavyweight that should be a very very interesting fight there as well and you never know if someone pulls out or with a few of the fights you know coming up it, it could be uh, it could be a spot for him there. So, very, very interesting to see uh, how that one goes. Um, and then I suppose to the bigger fights. One fight that seems like it's a, a playoff fight, but is not a playoff fight, uh, is Martin Hamlet versus Corey Hendricks at light heavyweight. Now, I'm not sure if it's official or non official, but sure, look, the winner of this is probably going to be the one who takes someone's place if someone falls out, which could very well happen. You know, there's very quick turnover of fights, obviously. Um, injuries can happen, wear and tear can happen, and someone might need to get in there. So, Corey Hendricks and Martin Hamlet, fighting in the light of the division, they fought, uh, back in 2019, I believe, oh, sorry, they fought in 2021, uh, only last year, my, my years are getting away from me. Um... And Hamlet won that fight uh, late in the third round. Uh, it was one of those fights, you know, where Hamlet, if anyone has watched Martin Hamlet, you know he is a very, very good wrestler. Tries to pull the fight to the ground early. Um, and Hendrickson, the other side in. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say he's an out-and-out striker or anything like that. He's five submissions, uh, three KOs and one decision, in his nine wins in his career. So he is a submission guy as well. But and you're fighting out a syndicate MMA, you know he's going to be well-rounded. When you're fighting a guy like Hamlet, though, you have to keep that fight off the ground. He just wasn't able to do it on that fight. Now, there's there's two ways of looking at this going into this fight. Does he try to do the same thing and keep the fight off the ground and win it that way, which wasn't really successful last time, although when it did, I, I watched that fight just before I recorded Yeah, You know, he fought, fought so pog so a bit of that. When when he did have an undefeated, he looked like he could have success, but I don't know—is that enough against a guy like Hamlet? You know, I I really don't know. He's, you know, if you look at Hamlet's four losses, two by KO, two by submission. I think that says a lot. I think you have to go in there and try to finish Hamlet. Now, maybe that, maybe that is keeping an undefeated and and winning that way. But I would suggest if you're a guy with lots of uh, lots of submissions. Maybe not necessarily go full uh, Paul Craig here and let let you take let him take you down, but like go for it on the go for it on the ground. You know, go for the submissions. Play into his game. Say right, I'm going to meet you here on the ground, and I'm going to catch you with something. Because against Hamlet, it's very tough unless you're someone who's a, a better uh, a better wrestler than him, which we have seen in this division a couple of times. Obviously, it's very hard. I think to beat him. Um, with striking you know because and that's not rocket science lads i'm not you know luke thomas doing a 48 time watched fight technical breakdown here if you've good wrestling the other lad striking isn't going to mean much if you if he can take it out you know so uh yeah i think i think look that's the key here it's, it's, again it's not a rocket science fight here but i think the one part of it that Hendricks maybe could win it on is if he threw in a few submissions maybe there against Hamlet. But I would fancy Hamlet uh, to win that fight, to be honest, and I'll give my picks for for the rest of these fights uh, here as well towards the top. Honestly, I think the fight maybe I'm most looking forward to on this, although I'm, these top four fights, I am I really like all of them. Honestly, this is a great top four. Uh, like I think the Hamlet-Hendricks fight probably won't be a great fight, if I'm being honest. I think Hamlet will probably take him down. But the rest of them, I think three out of four of them, I'm, I will be very good, at least, uh, Dylan Monte against Rob Wilkinson, Rob Wilkinson might be, and uh, it's a weird thing to say because I, you know, I'm, this might be a hyperbole, but he might be like the best fighter in PFL in the last two or three years. Uh, and I know, like he's uh, he he came in and he won his two fights this year in PFL. And obviously, you know, he was supposed to be. I, th- I think he was supposed to be in it, but like with travel restrictions and all of that sort of stuff, I, he probably wasn't be able to get over. It. But the the he fought Adesanya back in 2018, and he's fought you know Dylan Andrews over in Australia, and then he fought Daniel Almeida over as well. And he's I, I know he's only come in this year. When I say in the last few years, I don't think I've seen someone. Look as maybe improved and polished in the PFL as Rob Wilkinson has. You know he f- he finished Bruce Soto to start to this, the second round, and he f- uh, he knocked out Victor Pesta as well, and he just looked good doing it. You know you you think of someone, and and maybe it's because we we, we watch we all watched that Adesanya fight back in 2018, and look where Adesanya has gone since then. But he's four and since Ades Wilkinson, and I just feel like. <sighs> I feel like maybe he's the uncrowned champion in that division, and maybe that you know that's a dangerous thing to say before a semi-final when there's a final already, uh, 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 you know, waiting to, to be won as well. But I, I I really like him. I I think he's very very good. I think he's underrated. Uh, I think you know I spoke um, last week on one of these videos about the the middleweight division being really really good outside of. Um, you know, of of the UFC and there being a lot of guys and obviously this is a light heavyweight but he, you know, in PFL because it's you see a lot of middle West fighting light heavyweights and, you know, lightweights or, uh, yeah, lightweights fighting a welterweight and so like that because of the way it got that happened so often I'm sure he could get back down to middle like, no, maybe I'm wrong but, I, but the point is there's some great talent outside of the UFC and I think Rob Wilkinson is one of those guys, okay, saying he lost Adesanya, but that doesn't mean you're a bad fighter and I think in fact he is a very, very good fighter and he can fight all around, very good wrestler, can strike, good jiu-jitsu and Dylan in like, he came in and I remember uh, trying to find tape on him before his fight against Shoe at the start of this year and I really, I, I struggled, I really couldn't find much and he came in, he got knocked out in 29 seconds or sorry, choked, probably choked, not knocked out, uh, choked in 29 seconds um, So we still had much shape And then he goes in there And does the He does to Sardi in 92 seconds So we still don't have That much shape in him You know we, We've had two minutes And one second to tape on, uh, on this guy here But from what we saw In that second fight He's a berserker You know He comes out And he throws those shots Throws those big hard hands And if he can do that Against Rob Wilkinson we got a fight in our hands, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is going to be a great fight, and then, <laughs> and I think we might. I I don't know. I feel like look, Rob Wilkinson is a smart guy, and if it's going badly for him, I think he will take the fight to the ground and try to win it there. Um, but you know. If- um, Monte has a few submission wins as well On, on his record, you know, he's three submission wins Okay, nine KO, so it's not like He's he's a mug on the ground or anything like that If you go to the ground with Shoeface, you know what's happening So that, that doesn't really tell you much of a story But I, I just wonder If Monte has enough for Wilkinson on the ground, or is something for Wilkinson On the ground to put it back to defeat, to force Him to fight. I actually think Wilkinson Will be happy enough, or will be Confident enough to strike with Monte Early at least And maybe, you know, he'll continue to strike with it. Maybe he'll just get the better of it. I'm actually not sure on this one. Just because we haven't, I personally haven't seen enough of Monte to kind of know. I feel like I have seen enough of Rob Wilkinson to know that he is a very, very good fighter. I've seen enough of Monte to know that he's a dangerous fighter. That... That puts me and leads me to believe that this will be a very good fight. So, very fun fight in the light heavyweight division. Uh, we go back and forth through the light heavyweight and the lightweights here. We might as well. This is the way the card lines up. Um, the next one in the lightweight division is 15 and 5, Olivier Barmercia against 10 and 2, Alex Martinez. Uh, i get to Martinez first because, uh, I, I like him, you know. I really like his style. I like how he fights. He beat Clay Collard and Stevie Ray uh, this year. Back in 2021, he had the best run of it. He lost to like Robs Above, beat like Robs Above, and not lost in it and Schultz in the middle as well. Uh, before that, you know, he was fighting obviously outside of the PFL. He had a couple of fights in Brave um, after making his debut back in 2016. Um, and in for Oba Mercier, you know, we probably all know Olivier Oba Mercier at this stage, the Canadian gangster fighting out of uh, TriStar and H2O as well. He's had a great run since he's gone to the PFL. Honestly, he beat Marcin Hell, Darrell Harcher, Nathan Schulte the former champion, and Hausch Mafeu as well. You know, I picked Mafeu to win that fight, but I was completely and utterly wrong. It was a great win there for Oba uh, Mercier. And, you know, he had a tough time of it. And you'll see, he lost three in a row, but look at the three he lost to Armin Saryuk and Gilbert Burns, Alex Hernandez. You know, he beat um, the likes of Drew Dober before that, Evan Dunham, and others as well. So he's had a, a long career, 11 years as, as a pro, and a fought a couple of amateur fights as well. You know, a, a guy who... Do you know what? I'll admit it. I've probably underestimated him. He's a good, solid, well-rounded fighter, and sometimes... You know, sometimes that's all you need to be to win fights in mixed martial arts. If you can do a bit of everything, if you're defensively good, you'll win a you'll win more fights than you lose in MMA, and that's exactly what he is. Uh, I wouldn't say he's spectacular in any area or at anything. He's look, he's very good submissions. His eight submission wins, one one KO, and he's fifteen wins and six decisions as well. All five losses come by um by decision, so he's not like a guy who's getting knocked out or anything like that. Whereas Martinez, I think. You now you look at him and you think, oh, he's a great striker, but he's two knockouts and four submissions, four decisions, never been finished either. So this one, I would say, is likely to go to a decision. I'll, I'll have to do the betting show uh, and maybe, maybe I've picked out one of my own bets there. But um, uh, yeah, I do uh, look. I do think this one will go to a decision. Uh, uh, if I was to go for a pick here, I I I, I, pr- I pr- I'd probably go for Oban Mercy, even though you know. I think it'd be a better fight if Martinez won, if you want to put it that way. I I really like Martinez's striking. He's one of these guys who, you know, strikes with his legs almost before he strikes with his hands. He, you know, he throws, you know, high kicks teeps to the body, and leg kicks, and wheel kicks, and all that, not all the time now, he's not spamming them or anything like that, but he is my type of striker, you see the pictures up on the wall behind me, you know what type of striker that I like, and he is not a, you know, he's not a wonder boy, or an Anderson Silver or an MVP, or anything like that, or even a Kimbo, but he is, I think he uses his kicks, and he uses variation very, very well, whereas Auburn Mercier just uses, I suppose, these. The basics and the fundamentals very well, and that's that's not at all a bad thing. That's a very very good thing. In fact, if you can be a fundamentally very good fighter, you will beat most fighters. So it's it's one of those fights. I think I, I think it could actually come down to the fundamentals. It really could come down to that because um, if OAM uh, is kind of safe enough on the feet and kind of. S- don't get caught by anything big. It will probably turn into that, and then we'll see if Martinez can live with him. I suppose in that area. So uh, I I go with Oban Mercier because I think it'll get into that. But I think I think Alex Martinez has a higher ceiling, if you want to put it that way. But uh, is, is he there yet? You know, he's twenty eight years of age still, and he's had twelve fights, so he's not inexperienced or anything like that. And fought some very good, very good guys, as I mentioned earlier on. So may, maybe now is his time. Maybe it is his time, but. You know, I picked wrong with Oba Mercier last time, and I'm not going to do it again, so I'll go for him here. Right, last two fights. This Omari Akhmadov versus Joshua Silvera. I love this fight. I really do. Like, Omari Akhmadov, we've seen him around the place for years. He fought in the UFC, and I fought Chris Weidman and Tom Breeze and Ian Heinish and Zach Cummins and all these lads, all down through the years. He fought Gunnar Nelson back in the day, even... And you know what I never I never really thought much of him, to be honest. Uh, I always thought he was a good, solid fighter, but I never thought I never thought he's what we've seen in the last couple, you know? Um triangle-choking, sorry, arm uh Theodoros Astellias, uh, and then knocking out Victor at one of the nastiest knockouts you'll ever see. You know, he had a tough time. We lost to Brad Tavares in his last fight in the UFC, and then he lost to Jordan Young uh, in the playoffs, or in the, the, uh, the PFL last year, sorry. But he's had a great run of it this year, and he's looked like a special fighter. You know, a little bit like Rob Wilkinson as well. He just looks like he... He's at a stage in his career now where he's 34 years of age. This is his chance. There's two fights away from a million quid and he's going for it. And... That's it. If you like what my last five seconds of speaking, there is exactly what all you need to know about Ackmanov. You can forget about what happened before. You know, it's like they're saying in, uh, in the Premier League here or, or, or in the, the FA Cup or whatever. It's, you know, it's like a cup final. You can throw all the form out the window. It's like a derby game. Throw all the form out the window. You know, when Rangers and Celtic, when Man United and Liverpool meet, it's that derby. It all comes down to that. It all comes down to passion and feeling. And, and I feel like that's a little bit. Of the way with Akhmadov Now he has good skill And he, he can strike And he can submit And he can wrestle And he can do it all And It feels like his time It just does feel like his time But he's meeting a guy In Joshua Silveira Who's a young up-and-comer When I say young as well He's 29 years of age But God almighty This guy is so impressive um, He fought in the Challenger Series Back in February He got an opportunity After an injury And he beat Martin Hamlet In the first round uh, Back in uh, in June of this year as well, so it's a quick turnaround here. He was fighting in, in LFA, you know. Obviously, he's known as, as the son of Conan Silvera the uh, the coach at uh, at ATT. So he has the breeding for it, I suppose, and he's really, really good. Very good submissions brilliant wrestling big strong guy as well and look what he'll be looking to do here I said look about five times there but anyway he'll be trying to take this fight to the ground let's let's not beat around the bush here that's exactly what he'll be trying to do Ahmedav is good wrestling though he's a good takedown of him, so if he can stop it we'll see what Silvera is made of on the feet I tend to think he'll be pretty good but I don't know and I know Ahmedov can hit hard and he is pretty good so this is a fight I'm really looking forward to like I'll, I've i looked at Silvera. A good but I've watched a good few of his fights and I feel like he is uh a brilliant fighter, like a massive prospect in the world of mixed martial arts. But I have this thing, you know, about fighters who go nine and one to start their careers, like Fedor, John Jones, GSP, Chris Seiberg, loads and loads and loads of them, and he's nine and all right right now. Most of the best, most of the best, almost all of the best, lose at least one fight in their first ten. Um so we'll see. Will this be the one for Joshua Silvera. We will see. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to go for him. I think he'll win it. I think he'll win it. So my pick. Uh, my pick is Joshua Silvera in that one. But that's the fight. That's the fight I'm most looking forward to. I, I think this weekend. But it's it's a brilliant fight. It's a really really good fight. Um, against you know a known quantity against I suppose an up and comer who we don't know how good he will be yet, but it looks like he will be pretty good. Um. And then in the main event we have a rematch, a very, very quick rematch. You know, the Anthony Pettis and, and Stevie Ray, uh they fought only in June. So what a month ago, was it? Two months ago ish? Not not that far ago. It's it's just here in Sherlock, it was a twister. Was it a twister? It was kind of like a modified body triangle. I was I wouldn't call that a twister. No, maybe I'm wrong, I'm not jujitsu expert or anything like that, but um it was a very interesting fight because watching, just watching it back now, you, you know, you watch it at the time and you kind of get carried away, or you listen to the commentary maybe too much and all of that. Watching it back now, I actually think Steve Ray was doing way better on the feet and in the striking than I thought at the time and maybe people said at the time. It wasn't like, okay, I wouldn't maybe he wasn't winning necessarily, but I don't think he was losing badly either. Now, apart from that big head kick that Anthony Pettis did land. But early in that first round, Pettis was kind of showing big knees and he was showing big kicks and everything that landed, Stevie Ray was kind of dealing with it and he was putting on that forward pressure, putting Anthony Pettis where you need to put Anthony Pettis, you know, when he's back against the cage. Pettis was doing well at times of circling but when the fight got into the second round as Pettis invariably does like Pettis is one of my favourite fighters in the world but also no fighter has ever frustrated me watching him as much as Anthony Pettis because I'm just like circle, 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 circle and then at one stage in the fight every single time he stops circling and he gets put against the cage now he submits, lads, a lot of the time as well. Anthony Bettis' eighth submission wins in 25 fights. I think in the UFC, more submission wins than knockout wins if someone wants to go back and check that, but I think that's right. Um, so he can do that there, but not this time. Uh, or last time, even. Uh, as Stevie Ray ended up submitting him with that modified body lock twister, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'd be, I'm very interested to see if that's a thing that maybe pops up again, and the word pop there is uh, no pun intended, but I was I was listening to an interview with uh, a sportsman from my part of the world, I won't bore everyone with who it is or what it is, uh, but he was talking about his knee and he, he did his ACL, but then a few months later when he had come back, he felt like a pop again, but it wasn't the ACL, it was cartilage. And he was kind of saying, okay, to re rehab that or whatever and the cartilage is gone or and all this. And he was saying, like, every now and then you kind of feel it. You know? I wonder is that the case with kind of Pettis and the ribs? We saw it uh, happening, was the it was a Poria fight, wasn't it? And this fight as well. I wonder is it an issue with Pettis that you can kind of never stop you know, get never get rid of. And the very interesting thing, I thought it was brilliant corner work. I'm not like I think MMA corners generally are actually either just roaring and shouting are not that great but there was great corner work here from Stevie Ray's corner where they were roaring at him and it, it might sound simple and it might sound like I'm reading too much into it but they were roaring squeeze it Stevie squeeze it squeeze it when you got to that like the body triangle on the side rather than the body triangle like on the stomach And they were like, squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it. And they saw the opportunity straight away. And Stevie Ray, I think, said afterwards that he had worked in it. And this was the thing he was looking for. So brilliant scouting and brilliant cornering, brilliant fighting by Stevie Ray, obviously, as well. But that's the sort of thing, if you have a corner like that, it can win your fights. And I'm not saying Stevie wouldn't have done it anyway, but it definitely helped, I think. And that's brilliant as well. But look, it's a very interesting fight because you're looking at it from Stevie Ray's point of view. I don't think he'll have any less motivation coming in there. Now, usually you see, you beat someone... And then you'd find them straight away again. And it's like, oh God, I just climbed this mountain. I can't believe I did it again. But it's like halfway up the mountain for Stevie Ray because he he's going for this million quid prize, obviously, and he wants to be the PFL champion and all of that. And Anthony Pettis is still Anthony Pettis, you know? Whereas for Pettis, if the injury is kind of held up or maybe it's just kind of a cartilage thing that it's like, well, it's popped and uh, there's not I can do about it anyway. Let's just keep going. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor or a physiotherapist or anything like that, as you can probably guess. Um, so as long as he's okay, it's a massive opportunity for him to get back in there. And fight a guy who just beat him, and beat a guy again who just beat him. You know, if he if he can beat him, obviously Steve Ray won't be open for that. But it, it's interesting because we don't really see this in MMA all that often in like a clean, cleanly one fight. You know, sometimes if there's an eye poke or you know someone. Slips on a banana peel or something Okay Ah uh, lads This is unfortunate Let's fight again in two weeks You I know mean, we've seen that In MMA before Or month's time Or the next pay per view Or whatever it is We very rarely see it like this And it's It's kind of cool to see And I'm interested to see The ni- the dynamic Of the fight itself And how different it, w- it will be So that's It's very very interesting Um I'm going to pick Stevie Ray. Uh, I, I don't think Anthony better can be 100% so quickly after that. And when I say 100%, he's probably 100% gone into the fight. But how long has he been at 100% to train for this fight coming up to it when he's only had, what, well, so it's the 24th of June up until what? what's the day? It is the 5th of August, June, July, what is it, five weeks, six weeks? He probably had to take at least two of that or three of that off, did he, to recover from that injury? So it's not much time to prepare for someone as good as Steve Ray, who had a good game plan coming in last time and he was able to go for that and finish him. So I'm going for uh, Steve Ray. It might, it might be a bit of Celtic bias, it might be a bit of Celtic bias, but I, I like Anthony Pettis as well. He frustrates me, he frustrates me, but I'm a massive fan of Anthony Pettis as well. Massive fan of Steve Ray. I like both of these guys, and I think it'll be a, a fun fight as well, like the first one was. So um, all right I will leave it there everyone I uh, hope you enjoyed this let me know if you're a PFL fan out there listening watching in uh, let me know if you enjoyed this and give me your picks as well in the comment section below who do you think will win let, just give me the, the four uh, fights the four top fights Pellis Ray Akmanov, Silveira Oba Mercier Martinez and Monte versus Wilkinson and uh, we'll see who gets to the final and see who wins it there as well all right I'll leave it there everyone my name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com and I'll see you all next time